Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Radio is with the iHeartRadio app. Streaming music, radio, podcasts. It's all there just a tap away. All in one free, easy to use app. So don't wait for flying cars. They can barely get driverless ones working. Get the future of audio today. Download the free iHeartRadio app now. Now your chance at $1,000 and a trip to our 2022 iHeartRadio Music Festival. Text the nationwide keyword FESTIVAL to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. That's FESTIVAL to 200-200. Now your host, Ken Brew, on News Radio 700 WLW. 908, good morning. Yes, yes, yes. Scott Sloan out, Ken Bruin. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday. Hump day. We're over the hump today. It's going to be a great day. I know it is. And if it's not, well, you know, you know where to find me. So uh, yesterday, the uh, the Lord and Master of all things COVID, Tony Fauci, uh, announced his retirement. It is coming at the end of the year. It's coming at the end probably of... Um, the beginning of an investigation into him by Republicans wondering if they get control of the House and Senate. Today, today, Joe Biden will return from yet another vacation and announced his plan to relieve and forgive student loan debt. And uh, it would do this, allegedly. It would allow borrowers earning less than $125,000 a year would see $10,000 in cancellation of their federal student, student loan debt. Now, if you put that against the Inflation Reduction Act that was signed last week, all of the alleged gains in the Inflation Reduction Act would be wiped out if, indeed, Biden goes ahead and proposes this student loan forgiveness. Of course, he can only propose it. Congress has to vote on it. And quite frankly, there are a lot of Democrats that don't want any part of this because it just adds to the national debt, and that adds to inflation. And inflation, as we all know, is running amok. So when you couple with Fauci and his retirement and what he did during COVID to the American economy that it's still digging its way out of, coupled with inflation by just wild spending by the Democrats in Washington, is it any wonder we got money problems in this country? When we have money problems, I only want to turn to one person. Because I listen to him every single week. He always has something great to say on his podcast, Good Money, with Derek Kinney as the podcast. Derek Kinney standing by live to join us right now to talk about these and a myriad of other financial things. And Derek, how are you on this glorious day? Ken, it's great to be with you. What a treat to join you on a Wednesday morning. Boy, this is... Uh... This is making my week even better. Thanks for having me, as always. Oh, you're so kind, and you're too kind, and um, I hope you're. I hope you're telling the truth because if you're not, tell me some more. That's what I want to hear. Tell well, me partly, some more. <laughs> but that doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So let's. The first things first. Um, Fauci retires, retiring. Whether or not he, they go after him politically is is up to the American public, and who gets voted in in November, and and who does not. 
But this country was thrown into uh, economic turmoil, and I, I think two, two things came out of it. One, I think it showed the resilience of the American economy. We were back on our feet, and the market was back clawing back to where it was before, before the pandemic, almost reaching those, those heights of, in the Dow's case, 37, 38,000. But it also showed, I think, really an overreach and why you should not let an unelected public health official be making wide-ranging and, um, and these, these, these edicts that affected areas that he had virtually no, absolutely no expertise in. Um, I thought it was, an, um, it was an abdication of power on the part of those that we had elected, including President Trump. I think it hurt this country in retrospect. And I think it hurt it in some cases needlessly. What about you? Well, you know, Ken, I, I would uh, I would build on what you just said with the following. You know, when I think about what Trump did and then the policies that he brought in in the midst of a difficult, unpredictable, unprecedented time with COVID, it, it was it was a powerful moment for the economy. We saw economic growth. We saw low unemployment. We saw most importantly, we saw a level of confidence, and I would say even economic swagger, that we haven't seen in this country in quite some time. And as I sit here talking to you right now, I feel no swagger at all as a country. It's been wiped out. And I think it's been wiped out for a couple of reasons. First of all, you know, Trump had people around him who were economic gurus. These were people who knew the economy, who'd gone through thick and thin, most importantly, had often led, bought, sold, grown, hired people. And so they knew from a small business standpoint how people were feeling. When you go look at some of the bios, and this was shocking to me when I did this, because I like that when I hear something, I want to go out and prove it myself. Mm -hmm. When I looked at who the advisors are that Biden has around him, the majority do not have economics backgrounds. They don't have business backgrounds. They only have advocacy backgrounds. And we're seeing that in policy right now. And this was the most telling, Ken, for me. About two months ago, CNN, and we know what side of the aisle they typically tend to lean on, they said that only 26% of Americans believed in the direction economically the country was going. And that told me when CNN says that the American people have lost faith in the government's direction, but most importantly, they've lost confidence. And we know that two-thirds of our economy is built on this foundation of confidence of hardworking Americans like your listeners right now feeling like my job is secure. I can go provide for my family. I can put school supplies for my kids out there and live the life I want. And that's simply not happening right now. It's not. And it, it just seems to get worse in every, at every turn. I mean, today the news will be Biden is going to return from yet another vacation and propose this student loan forgiveness. Now, over and above being, I think, immoral and uh, a slap in the face to people that actually paid their student loans off, some at great cost to the rest of their family and perhaps their own personal lives. Uh, leaving that aside, whatever that Inflation Reduction Act gave us last week, and I'm still not sure what that was all about, but even going by what they claim it was going to give us, this wipes it out. This is $300 billion, 
And that's only if they come in at a $10,000 per person loan forgiveness. There are some who think it may be even more than that. Um, we just keep spending money we don't have and then wonder why inflation goes up. And I think it goes back to what you just said. We have people of from think tanks, tanks and academia that are running this country economically and not people that actually ran something, built something and did something in the private sector. And I, I think that's the root of all of this, don't you? Oh, I do, Ken. And, and you, do you mind if I make a prediction on your show right now? Not at all. Here's my prediction today. When, when Biden or who the surrogates are that come out and talk about if he does, in fact, unveil the $10,000 student loan forgiveness plan, here's how it will likely sound. You know, when President Biden, then candidate, made a campaign promise, he was swept into office by a record number of votes, which told us he had a mandate and people want student loan forgiveness. I believe that's going to be the message they have to go with in a sense to try to not just trick people, but in a sense, try to re-remind them that, hey, you voted for him and we assume you voted for him because you wanted student loan forgiveness. But can you and I and your listeners are savvy and smart to know this, that more people voted against Trump than they did for Biden. Right in the last election. Exactly. I mean, that's just the facts of the matter. But that doesn't play well in terms of democratic optics and a policy program that people talk about. So my point is what they want to do is they throw pieces out there that they feel like people will bite on in advance of this November election. This is a desperation strategy. It's the old Hail Mary football pass at the end of the game when the seconds are ticking off the scoreboard and we just hope for a play, that's what's happening right now. For the most part, if, if we were to stop time today, most pundits on both sides of the aisle, uh, polling numbers, et cetera, would say we're likely going to see the Republicans take over the Senate and the House. These moves, and I expect more and more of these things, we're going to see Republicans lambasted over the next two months where they're made to look like the Democrats have their act together. So I just want to encourage all of your listeners, they're smart already, but keep your antennas up for non-truth-detecting material that you may hear coming from the White House, especially over the next couple of weeks. You know, your podcast, by the way, we're, ch we're uh, chatting with Derek Kinney. He's our money guy, and he runs uh, Good Money and Good Money Podcast. I was listening, I don't know how many weeks ago it was. It was back in mid-July, and... Um, you did a topic on, are you believing the biggest lies in personal finance? I believe the man's name was Nick Magiuli. Magiuli, do I have a name yes. pronounced? Yeah. Yes. yeah. And it yeah. was, it was, uh, it was a great way to ferret your way through what works and what doesn't work in your personal finance and why you make these mistakes, not make mistakes, not you, but I mean, you are the, the, the generic you make mistakes. Um, and it was built on top of another show about how to pay less tax and protect more of your money. And this is what you're all about and have always been about, Derek. It's helping people uh, figure out what's right and what's wrong with their money. Now, we're getting, we're getting absolutely hammered right now by all of this new spending. And um, we know that the IRS is about to unleash 87,000 armed uh, new agents into the uh, into the country 
they're at least hiring 87,000. We'll see how many turn into be actual enforcement agents. But the fact of the matter is, is it's not people making $400,000 or more that are going to pay for all of this. This is that, 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 that was utter nonsense during the campaign. You can't run up bills like that and just say, oh, uh, 2.6% of the population is going to pay for everything that we're doing right now. It's not going to be that. They're coming after everybody, and you've got to have your antenna up, as you said, to make sure you protect yourself. A great way to do it is to listen to your podcast, which you can find anywhere. I get it off of Apple, but you can find it anywhere. But you've got to really be your own advocate right now because the game is changing, and particularly if a lot of these things, like today, if this goes through, it's going to change even more. If you're not your own advocate with your own money, you're playing a fool's game, correct? With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, Ken, you're exactly right. And, you know, a couple points. First of all, thank you for the, the comments about the podcast. I just believe that we can't rely on the government to toss us crumbs. And people who are doing that are giving up their freedom and their individuality. And I believe that's what this administration wants because if you live a minimum wage life, you're going to have minimum wage opportunities and you're gonna have minimum wage relationships and that is no way to reach your full economic potential. And you know, one thing that I would tell each of your listeners right now, it's easy that when you go to a job, many people don't even like their job, but they do it to provide for their family and give them the life that they want they leave it maybe six in the morning, get home at five or six, and then they've got to cook dinner and go to the kids' sports and school activities. That's a long, long day. And so it's easy to sort of overlook what I call these general economy issues like inflation and jobs numbers and housing and all the things that I sort of geek out about because I love talking about money and how to make it easy to understand for people. So here's what I would say to your listeners to make this easier. Only focus on your personal economy. And what that means is in your household right now as you're listening to this, what can you do in your current job if you work for someone or you are the boss, how can you make more money today? We know the government is not your solution to economic success. We know that you can't borrow money for retirement. All those things fall on your shoulders now more than ever. So I would just tell people, don't bang on the boss's door and demand a raise. Instead, ask yourself three questions. In my current job right now, whatever it is, whether I'm the administrative assistant to the mid-level manager to the vice president, what in my job could I do to increase sales, reduce costs, and help grow this business? And if you can identify those three things, then go to your boss and say, look, over the next 30 to 60 days, I've got a plan here because I want to make more money, but I want to add more value to the company. When you add value, you become more valuable. And we're getting reports all over the country, Ken, after they read Good Money Revolution, my new book, that they're getting raises of ten to twenty, even thirty thousand dollars because they're finding ways to help the business grow and it makes it easier for them to make more money. 
Good Money Revolution, how to make more money and, uh, well, I should say how to make more money to do more good. Good Money Revolution, how to make more money to do more good. Um, it's out. It uh, just came out maybe like five, six months ago. It's a great read. I've read it. I know people that have read it. And on a, on a weekly basis, uh, Derek's podcast, as I said, is just terrific. Good insight on all of this, Derek. Stay well. We need to hear your voice. And uh, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Ken. Always fun to be with you. Thanks for having me today. You bet. If um, Biden will propose this today, he's got to get the uh, Congress to sign off on it. And uh, it's getting pushback, obviously, from Republicans. It's getting pushback from some on the Democrat side, too, because they know you just can't keep spending this money. And all it's going to do, frankly, is allow colleges to just say, oh, well, uh, $10,000, oh, we'll just, you know, jack up uh, tuition $10,000. Know, no, nobody gets it in their pocket. Somebody is going to come in there and take it out of your pocket. But to those of us that actually paid for our college education, that actually paid for our kids' education, now we have to start paying for other people's education. Uh, to me, that's just that's that's not the way this country should operate. And we all know, just think about this for a second, particularly if you had a student loan. When you got that student loan, did you use every single nickel of that student loan for books, for things you needed to go to class? Or did you use them on some other things? You know, like a car. Just ask yourself, you know, I mean, if, if it doesn't smell right, chances are it ain't right. But for all they touted about this Inflation Reduction Act, all the money it was going to save, allegedly, it gets wiped out with this. I'll give you a little here, but I'm going to take it away from you here. Oh, and by the way, along the way, we'll just jack up the national debt go further deeper into the inflation hole. Ain't that America? 925 News Radio 700 WLW. Palmer to throw under pressure, he said. Dick is on its way, and he missed it again. We've lived through some tough times. The catch made, the ball oh, comes out. out. The Steelers recover. God have mercy on all Bengals fans. But now, the good times are here. The kick is up. Yeah. Hit him. Good. AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Intercepted by Jesse Bates. Follow their quest for a return to the Super Bowl. That is unbelievable. On 700 WLW. Bam! 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 The home of the best Bengals coverage. Hey, Scott Sloan here. If you're Scott Sloan, good morning. Reds lost last night 7-6. Nick Lodolo, oh, it looks so good going into the sixth inning. Then the old proverbial wheels fell off. 7-6, Philadelphia wins it walk-off in uh, the ninth after the Reds had put two up in the top of the ninth to take the lead. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's it. Uh, the way it the way it's uh, rolling for the Reds right now, I mean, yeah, you just want to uh, avoid 100 losses, I think, which I think they can do. I think they can do. But, man, isn't that bar low? Uh, Donovan Solano, three for four. He's been a nice surprise. He got hurt earlier in the year, but a very nice surprise. Three for four last night, 331 average right now. Uh, Mike Moustakis, two for four. He's been a complete disappointment since signing here, but uh, it is what it is. And uh, they'll try it again tonight, Reds and Phillies. And uh, I wouldn't want it any other way, would you? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Go back, grab the Phillies again, shake them up, see if you can't do something better. 7.05 start tonight.
at uh, Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia, PA. We get um, we get the I believe the end of that series, and then they move on to other greatness. Uh, and today at uh, outside of Paul Brown Stadium, the joint workouts between the Rams and the Bengals take place. Now this is interesting because the Rams don't play their starters in preseason games, and by and large, Zach Taylor has not played his starters in preseason games. But they do practice, and so they'll practice against each other, and we'll see what that brings. As you know, Zach uh, Zach Taylor once worked for Sean McVay out in Los Angeles. We all know it's a rematch of the Super Bowl this week, but we all know it's not really a rematch of the Super Bowl this week because, as I said, most of the starters aren't going to play. But still interesting nonetheless. We may even see Joey B out there, which I'm very excited about. Um, yeah, so just one more thing on the Biden student loan forgiveness that he's going to propose. First of all, Congress has to pass it. Congress controls all spending. Uh, the Democrats have control of the White of the White House. They also have control of both houses of the Senate. Wait a minute. Let me rephrase it. They control the White House with Biden. They control the Senate. They have a slim majority. It's Kamala Harris that usually has the deciding vote on things like this. And they control the House. But there are enough Democrats, I think, that would probably be a little reticent to embrace this, this loan give-back plan, this forgiveness plan, if you want to call it. Because it, it, it really, it doesn't really help uh, those who need it the most, and that would be the people that get out of college, that have to hawk everything to get into college, and uh, they're at a job that's making thirty, forty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't want ten thousand dollars? I get that. But the, the the thinking is, it's going to help more people that have these white collar and executive jobs more so than people that actually need the money. And there are a lot of, as we know, a lot of lower-income families that can't afford to send their kids to college. And the kid doesn't want to go to college and run up uh, a large amount of student debt. Meanwhile, we all have to pay for somebody else's college education, and I find that offensive. I paid for my own. I've helped pay for my kid. I paid for both of my kids' undergraduates' uh, degrees. When they got to, to law school, they were pretty much on their own. But... To turn around and just say to me and to you and anybody else, okay, well, because he or she didn't really think about the job that they were chasing and how much it was going to pay them and help them relieve their debt or to pay for he or she and help them pay off a student loan that maybe they didn't use completely for academic purposes and challenges. Maybe they used it for lifestyle. I find that offensive. But again, this is exactly what Derek Kinney said. What, what, what Biden is going to do, he's going to float it. And then you're going to hear the usual Democrat voices. You're going to hear Pelosi. You're going to hear Schumer. You're going to hear the usual voices on the left demonizing the Republicans. And even if this thing doesn't pass through Congress, they can use it as a political tool to smack around Republicans for the next 80 days. Because they're terrible. They won't help your students. They won't help your kid. They want, they, we wanted to help your kid. When the real gambit here is they're just running up more debt and taking away from whatever was allegedly passed last week in the Inflation Reduction Act. And 
we all know where inflation is right now. So it was, here's a little last week, and we're going to take away this uh, this week. I, I don't know very many people that paid for the kids' education that think that this is a good idea. But maybe I'm just associating with the wrong people. I've been told that before. Uh, Alexa's in the news. A lot of people think Alexa is just nothing more than some eavesdropping device that will allow Amazon to just dig into your personal life and medical history because they now control, or will very soon, a large chunk of the pharmaceutical industry and perhaps even healthcare on top of that. But Alexa is getting a lot of play because a lot of people think that this is nothing more than a spy tool and that strange things happen when you just happen to say her name in uh, turning on a television program or researching some particular event or thing. And more and more people are becoming very wary about this gadget and wondering, you know, does convenience really trump what I need in my life, which is privacy? And that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Uh, Dr. Gary Osery is an adjunct professor. He has also just completed his doctoral degree at the University of Florida's Warrington College of Business. And uh, his dissertation... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Study the degree of trust people have in both Google and Alexa, which I think for a lot of us, it's like, you know, who cares? But for a, a number of us, it's like, yeah, what are we getting ourselves into here? And a long time ago, uh, Dr. Ossery spent some time here in Cincinnati as a brand manager for Procter & Gamble. And I wanted to get him on to talk about all of this because, uh, you know, uh, we, we do seem to really and truly rely on these things, maybe more so than we should. And um, the, we'll get some more thoughts here. Dr. Osery joins us. I, we are a country, really, that values convenience over everything, right? Yeah, I, I think um, I, I think in the in the uh, overall sense, uh, parents are very are, are being very wary of inviting the smart gadgets into into their home. Um, you know, clearly we adopt technology for uh, three reasons. And, and we see it, you know, we've adopted computers and all because it makes our life easier, um, because the results that it, it produces are accurate and that we trust these devices. And I think that latter part is really what's going on now, right? So the technology is still emerging. Um, you know, by some reports, we'll have uh, more smart gadgets in our homes than there are people living in America within the next couple of years. About 70 million um, homes have Alexa or a smart speaker currently. Uh, but the question is, you know, how do they use it? And, and what, do, what, what are some of the guardrails that are important for uh, people to, uh, 
be able to live with technology, right? So that the, they control the technology and the technology, uh, you know, doesn't, doesn't control them. Mm-hmm. So I, my, my dissertation, I just earned my doctoral degree from the University of Florida um, at the Warrington School. And so my dissertation was, do you trust Alexa with your most personal and private questions? And uh, if I asked, and I did a two-step study, one was to ask college-age millennials, right, because that's uh, a major group in, in addition to the Gen Zs that are adopting this technology quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you trust Alexa with your general questions? You know, hey, what's the score for the Reds? Uh, what's the best iPhone for me? And the, and the number on a 10 scale was about, um, was about seven, uh, Ken. And then I got to the personal questions, like maybe where do you – find a confidential COVID test and, and it dropped quickly to about five. Yeah. And then finally, if it was a very private question, you know, having to do with something very personal that you wouldn't want anyone else to know about, it dropped to a two or three with many at zero. Yeah. So that does really raise the question of do you trust do you trust these devices? Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's an overarching um, uh, thing here that's going on, and that's Amazon. Amazon has its hooks into everything. It now has its hooks into pharmaceuticals and healthcare. And although they say they're bound by their by the HIPAA laws that every other uh, doctor and pharmaceutical company is bound by, well, I mean, who's to say that there isn't some sort of intra sharing of information between uh, medical side and commerce side. Um, a- Amazon is big and it's everywhere, and it seems to me that Alexa is the hooker that's out on the street luring everybody in. I, I, I am not comfortable with her at all or that device at all. And um, as you mentioned, personal information, who's to say if somebody is contemplating a major life decision, and for whatever reason, they say, Alexa, tell me about having a baby. Alexa, tell me about getting a divorce. Alexa, tell me about putting my mother in a nursing home. You know, at that point, what happens and who gets that information and where is that then shared? See where I'm going with this? I think Amazon is becoming this animal that has just engulfed all of our lives. Yeah, I, I think you could expand on that and say that um, that wasn't very, that was pretty much the same thing that was going on um, maybe with Google. So a lot of us, I think you mentioned, you know, the creepiness of having said something and then um, and then that shows up on your web browser or, you, you know, you get invited to buy that product. Um, that's called retargeting, right? So <clears throat> Google, Amazon, any search, uh, you know, protocol system, you know, whether it be voice or you're typing it in or, you know, Google does have its voice system as well. You know, that becomes something that um, they they will sell that information to advertisers. I mean, that's part of their, uh, their business plan, right? So they monetize the fact that, you know, maybe some even less sensitive queries like, where can I pick up a new set of skis for this season or, you know, what's the best phone for me? You know, that gets sent right directly to advertisers who are interested in people looking for those products, you know, right now. So that's something we've had to live with over the last few years. But I think your question is, how do you deal with the most personal and private questions? Right. And, and I think those aren't maybe hitting the, you know, hitting the dashboard for, for some of these companies at this point. But you're, you've, got, you've got this device, and, and again, you did your dissertation on it. You have a doctorate in it. I'm just a layman just asking questions here. But you have this device that I think, which each and every question, personal or otherwise, it's painting a picture of you. It's painting a picture 
of you and of me and everybody else that's using it so that I think the fear becomes that after a lot of these various uh, pieces to the picture, all of a sudden they know who you are, what you're interested in, and what you would be shopping for. And then what happens if there's a slip, right? If there's a slip in there and they know even more about you. I, I think people aren't really, some are, but I, I think a lot of people aren't really hip to the fact that when you start asking for this kind of help, you may get more than what you bargained for. There's got to be some sort of, I suppose, filter system for all of us before we start using these things. What would go into that filter system, in your opinion? Yeah, no, good question. And so I think, um, well, first of all, let me say that I think the folks um, at Amazon and Google respect that if we don't trust their devices, we're, we're going to stop using them, right? That's kind of the number one thing. So they are trying um, to put some of these guardrails in place, one of which is, you know, if you want to know what um, Amazon has picked up or Alexa has picked up about you, you can look at that information, you can delete it, you can tell them not to record it in the future. I mean, there are some of those um, that are going in, into place. But you know, uh, the whole question about what people know about us in this country um, has been going on for years. I mean, there are databases out there that know more psychographically and demographically about you or I than we'd want them to know, four or 500 variables. So I mean, this isn't anything new. The question is, what do they do with the information? And I think as you asked, what can we do to control what they know about us? And uh, and I think privacy laws have to expand. I think we need to adopt some of the privacy laws that they have put in place in the European Union and that California, for example, has already adopted. Um, Dr. Gary uh, Orosi is our guest, and we're talking about Alexa and Amazon and Google and, and everything that is in our homes to make our lives more convenient. All right, I... I, I you raised you raised something very interesting in your initial comments, and that is we will more we will have more of these smart devices in our homes than we actually have people in our homes, and therefore more of these than actual people, which to me is kind of staggering. But what can what can I do? What can the guy down the street do? What can you do so that your privacy settings are set? For example, on um, on on a device like Alexa. That so it's not a problem. Is there something you can do? Go into that that mechanism. Go into a computer that's hooked to it. Whatever to make sure that it's not just you know a free and open wild west out there. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question, Ken. And so yeah, uh, Amazon has now become more uh, aware of your and my concern in this area, and you can get onto the Amazon site where you know you can then control. Um, what is and what is not being uh, recorded uh, by by your Alexa machine. You can set certain guardrails that your children can or cannot access certain information at certain times. And you can even turn your Alexa machine off. I mean, let's say you have an Echo or a Dot or one of those. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you can do anything but, you know, turn it off or unplug it even if that's if that's your choice, or some people, um, you know, find that it's very useful as an assistant. They might keep it in a room, like an office or, you know, something that is out of the mainstay of the family's conversation areas so that it doesn't pick up, you know, some of these unwanted uh, discussions. Now, it does have a wake word that is if you say, Alexa, tell me something or other, 
you know, then it'll wake up. But it's also gotten fooled. You know, Lexus and Praxis and other fairly similar uh, words have, you know, activated it. There have been conversations recorded of friends at dinner telling jokes. There have been conversations that uh, of a private nature that have been recorded and sent to somebody on an email inadvertently. I mean, you know, those are things that you want to try to avoid. So I, w- I would say, you know, <laughs> sequester your machine, put it in a place where you feel um, confident that it's doing the right thing. I would love to go in and talk to my Alexa. Hey, what are the movies tonight? Rather than have to go search for it. What, what's the weather like over the next few days? Right. I mean, those are very um, pragmatic kind of questions. All the way from project uh, brand manager here at P&G all those years ago. Now he's a managing principal partner in his own company and has just so been deemed a doctor by the University of Florida's Warrington College of Business. Uh, Dr. Gary Arosi, it's great having you on today. Thank you. Good insight, and uh, hopefully people listen and heed your thoughts. We appreciate it. Well, thank you, Ken. I love Cincinnati. Yeah. You guys have a good and enjoyable yeah. fall. Yeah, we're, we're planning on it. We're planning on it. Alexa, why don't, oh, the scene just lit up here in the studio. Shh. 9.55, News Radio 700, WLW. Hey, kids, listen up. Time for another story from Uncle Willie's big book of great Americans. Well, today, Henry Ford, the man who put our nation on wheels. Henry did not invent the automobile, but he did create the assembly line that kept costs very low so that everyday Americans like you could afford a car. Because of his red, white, and blue hard work and ingenuity, Americans could travel to places they only dreamed of before, like Akron or Shelbyville. That's why Henry Ford, like me, is a great American. You can be a great American, too. Listen to Bill Cunningham today at 12 noon on 700 WLW. Hey, Scott Sloan here. If you're a business owner, listen for a second. You got your PPP money during COVID, right? Did you know that there's more money out there that you're entitled to? As a matter of fact, it's money you already gave the government. If your business has five or more employees and managed to survive COVID, you could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. It's not a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund of the taxes you already paid. It's also not a scam. Checked it out. BBB and others, totally legit. Why aren't they advertising this? Well, the government wants to keep the money and spend it on something else. Want to get your cash? Go to GetRefunds.com. Their tax attorneys are specialists in this little-known payroll tax refund program. They do all the work. They don't charge up front. They get a cut of the money they give you. Average clients getting something like $400,000 could be you. All you need to do is go to GetRefunds.com. Takes a couple minutes to apply, and then you wait. GetRefunds.com. GetRefunds.com. It's available only for a limited time. GetRefunds.com. Celebrate Labor Day weekend at Great American Ballpark and cheer on your red legs when they take on the Rockies. Oh, wait. Great to have you with us on this Wednesday as we cruise on into the second half of the week, always looking ahead to the weekend. Uh, I think that's how you keep your sanity. Always look ahead to the weekend. That's how we operate around here. So you get married, what do you want to do? Well, you know, you may want to get a house. You may want to, you know, see if indeed you can uh, go into a nice neighborhood. may want to have a kid. You get married, you have a kid. Well, you don't have to get married to have a kid, but you having a kid, whether you're married or not, is a very, very expensive process. In fact, the cost of raising a kid through high school has risen to more than $300,000 because of inflation. $300,000. The Brookings Institution. Every time I hear Brookings Institution, I think 
these people have either been locked in a building very long and they're all somewhat uh, separated from each other in solitary confinement, or it's an immense think tank with guys in jackets and velvet ascots and smoking pipes. I'd like to visit the Brookings Institution once or twice just to see if in any of those things are true. Anyway, <clears throat> the Brookings Institution did this survey, and it found that a married middle-income couple with two children would spend $310,000 plus, or an average of $18,000 plus a year, to raise their younger child, born in 2015 through age 17. What would that take you to? to uh, that would take you to 2032. But that's a lot of dough. And I think when people think about, oh, why don't we should have, well, you want to have a kid, you want to have a child, oh, we should have a baby, oh, this would be wonderful. It does cost money. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A lot of money. And what does that do to you in terms of what your finances are going to be, your lifestyle is going to be, knowing full well that inflation is here at least for a while? You really got to plan this stuff out more than just emotionally, right? Standing by is somebody who can actually do that for you. We've had Michael Davidson on the show before. He's a certified financial planner, heads up Wisdom Indexed Advisors. And we will talk to him about that in just a bit. But for now, let's welcome him in. Michael, how are you on this glorious Wednesday? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. you have any kids, Michael? I have three. So you're probably uh, looking at a million dollars, right? A million dollars of your hard-earned money is going to be going into raising your kids. How do you feel about that? Well, well listen, um, I'll be the first to tell you that raising kids is uh, very expensive, and, and the reality is it, it takes a whole lot more than money uh, to raise them, and so they uh, they are costly on the on your uh, your soul, your energy. Um, I mean, they they are just demanding, um, but they're worth every penny. Absolutely. And, uh, and there's ways that we don't have to spend three hundred thousand. So that study, uh, my children are nineteen, twenty one, and seventeen. And so the, the $300,000 number is a number that the Brookings Institute um, provided based upon analysis from a 2017 USDA study and where they uh, interviewed about 40,000 families to determine, hey, what does it cost actually to raise a kid? And they took those numbers and then provided the inflation adjustment with the high inflation that we're seeing today and have uh, come up with these these high numbers. So. Um, that, that what we need to do, this shouldn't be a, a deterrent from having children. This should be an a, a encouragement. To, hey, let's get a plan. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think <clears throat> when you get down to the choice of am I going to have a child or not, I think it's all based, not for everybody, but I think a lot of it's based emotionally. And that when you start putting pen to paper and you see what the cost is, that it takes, I guess, uh, in some people's minds, the beauty, the romance, or what you just said, worth every penny of it, when you put pen to paper to it, 
And I, I think a lot of people think, well, if that's going to be the determining factor as to whether or not I'm going to have a child, um, you know, there's, that, that to me is a very sterile, very antiseptic and the wrong way to look at it. But you have to have a plan because children are going to be with you for a while. Some may never leave. And you also have to figure in things like your lifestyle and where you want to go later in life. Do you want to be working when you're 65, 70, 75 years old, uh, paying off bills that your kid ran up or things that you've just kicked down the road? And I think that's why it's important, though, even it may seem antiseptic and it may seem you know, kind of cold to put a dollar figure on what a child costs to raise, you've got to do it, or you're just going to find yourself in debt for the rest of your life, right? Well, uh, one of the interesting things in the study was the differences in what parents spend on children based upon the income that they make. And so there's big ranges in, in what parents spend on their children. And, and a third, about 30% of all of the expenses were actually housing costs. And so in some cases, I would say, well, this, these numbers are overinflated because, you know, whether you have kids or not, uh, you still might live in a three-bedroom, two-bath house, right? Kind of mm -hmm. the average the average house in the country. So some of this is, some of these expenses you're already going to have without your children. But America doesn't have um, a problem only that we have expensive kids. Um, Americans like to spend more than they make. And the, the problem is we don't have our spending prioritized. And so what happens in the, uh, the average American family is that they spend money they use their credit cards, uh, then they pay their, their debts, um, their car payments, their house payments, a credit card payment, um, then they pay their taxes. And then at the end of the month or the end of the year, they do some and save some. And the, the way that we can fix the spending dilemma is to reorganize, reorganize our priorities. We want to do the things that are most important first. And at Wisdom Index, we believe we want to begin with giving. We want to shake the barnacles off the boat. We want to uh, not have money sort of own us. And the best way to do that is to be generous first. The second thing we want to do is we want to save money. And so we want to pay ourselves. I call it paying ourselves second. We want to make sure that we're putting money uh, into short-term reserves and we're putting money into long-term savings for long-term investing. And then we want to pay our, our debts, and then we want to pay our taxes. And what's left, we can live on, and that includes the kids. And so and if we do it in that order, there's going to be enough for everybody, and it's going to be just great. That sounds like a conversation that a couple has to have before they actually decide to have the child, because that's very disciplined, what you just lined, out, uh, lined up for us there. And, and secondly, um, it, it puts the cost of raising a child behind a few other things. Now, you're right about housing. You're already in a house, so the housing uh, may go into that $300,000 per year number. I don't know. It, it may. You said something initially, though, that, that, that struck me. What, what is the conversation you have to be, when you begin by, by doing what? Generous with your money? Who are you being generous with your money first before you spend money on what you actually need? Or did I misunderstand that? No, you, you heard correctly. So uh, we, we believe at Wisdom Index that we are each called to give, to be a blessing. 
And um, the way it's to, it is better to give than to receive. And so we, the first thing we want to do with money is get the blessing of giving. And so for many of our clients, that's giving to their church, uh, their synagogue, um, uh, places where they serve. And so being generous first. Um, what it does is it greases the skids and it allows for it and it it allows for the way I you know using the description of shaking the barnacles off the ship yeah. a ship just sitting in the water accumulates debris underneath of it and it needs to be cleaned and when you clean it it moves more quickly through the water and that's really what giving does is it allows all of your finances to move more efficiently so if you do it in that order and you use cash or debit cards it's amazing that, that um, there's enough money and things get tight and obviously in every household um, and there's things that happen and cars break and, you know, things, the storms come and there's floods and that sort of thing. But um, the priority really matters in not, in not using credit cards first is the best way to stay out of trouble. Yeah. Well, I, I think yeah, that's a great rule of thumb, but as you know, uh, a vast majority of people in this country, I think the last I saw it was almost 60% are living, living paycheck to paycheck. Is that a result of not adhering to your philosophy? And if it is, great. If it's not, uh, wouldn't it make it difficult to do that, that knocking the barnacles off and giving uh, at the front end of, of earning? You know, I would say America doesn't have a kid problem. America has watched too many credit card commercials. And we have built a system where all of our spending, anytime you walk into a gas station, you use a credit card, mm-hmm. you go into a Chick-fil-A to buy a Chick-fil-A meal with your credit card, you are basing your system on a credit system. You're buying everything with money that somebody has loaned to you. And that's not the right system. As Americans, we want to have an equity-based system, an ownership-based system. I'm going to give you money for my Chick-fil-A meal or whatever it is with money that's my money. I don't have a third-party intermediary. And when you use credit cards, it it ruins the optics. When you look at your checking account and you have $5,000 or $10,000 in your checking account, um, you'll make decisions that are different than if you you have a $3,000 credit card bill and a $10,000 in your checking account. You're going to make decisions when you're looking at your checking account because you see $10,000. Right. But the reality is you have $7,000. And so it, it, it compromises and makes it difficult to make good decisions. And so we encourage our clients not to use credit cards. Um, points are not your way forward. If points were your way forward, there wouldn't be such a thing as credit card debt. Right. No, and, and, and not only that, I mean, I mean the most important thing is that you realize how much money you actually have. Uh, but but you, but the reality of it is, isn't it, uh, is is that we're as a society we've moved away from that. How do you get the toothpaste back in the tube on that one? Because people are so reliant on these things, and particularly in the in when we live. I mean, inflation is crazy. I think the reality of inflation is just coming home to haunt those who have done things like constantly put uh, gas at. In some places, five five and a half dollars a gallon on their credit card. Now it's coming back in at interest rates greater than twenty percent, and all you're doing is really paying off the, the 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 interest. You're not really getting into that much of the the principle of the thing. I'm just, how do you get back to that if we become so reliant on that? I mean, God bless you for doing it, but how do you, how do you get the majority of Americans to buy into that philosophy? Well, you, um, I think they, I think intuitively. Um, they know 
that when you when the we've been trained that when we're buying gas and you see a hundred dollar uh, gas tank purchase and, and the only feel good you have is oh at least I'm getting points for this yeah you should that thinking is you've been taught by the wrong people what the good points are the points you feel good that you should get when you spend a hundred dollars on your gasoline tank is I've planned it for this I knew gas was going to be high this has already been planned for. I can afford it. And, oh, and by the way, before I put $100 into my gas tank, I already did what was important. And so I have a plan. Uh, the Proverbs say the plans of the diligent lead to success. But those that are hasty come only to want. And the, the, when you use a credit card, it's, it's, like making this, it's like driving a car but looking in the rearview mirror. All of your, all, you, you get your statements and you make these payments for things that happened several weeks ago. Whereas if you get off the credit-based system. Uh, uh, Michael Davidson is our guest. I would think that uh, he's a financial planner and uh, his, his company, as you just heard him describe, is, is one that uh, takes a very unique view of, of how you should conduct your finances. Uh, my guess is when we get back now to the topic of the cost of raising a child, uh, I believe everybody should have someone like you in their life because I don't think that we, by and large, for the reasons we just talked about, as a society, handle money very well. Um, I, I would imagine when you have a prospective client in front of you, you have that conversation with them, and we also get into the cost of, of, of raising a child. I would I would have to think that that's part of the conversation you would have with them. Hey, look... Here is the reality of having a child, and you need to be thinking about this. Hopefully they see you before they're into parenting, but you need to be thinking about this because this will affect how we're going to conduct your business through the rest of your life. I would imagine that's a conversation that you have up front. Am I right? Well, in, um, all of our clients have a spending plan, and so the spending plan accounts for what, how much are we going to give? Who are we going to give to? How much are we going to save? Where is that money going to be saved? What is our tax rate going to be? Uh, what liabilities do we have? And what short-term liabilities need to be paid off in the next 12 months? How much are we going to spend on our home? What is our transportation expenses, our food and dining expenses, um, our other insurances, um, in health? All of those things have categories. We have um, healthy spending ranges for each one of them. And we, and when husbands and wives and single uh, parents sit down and work on this, um, it allows them to get a game plan and to organize their spending so that the money is working for them and that they can build margin into their finances. And I think that's really what we're, we desire for our clients is that they have margin yeah. and so that, um, so that when stuff happens, it's okay. Yeah. And they're not worried about it. Very interesting. I mean, interesting. It, it is an interesting theory and concept. Um, Michael Davidson, you can find him at wisdomindex.com, wisdomindex.com. Uh, good stuff, Michael. Thanks for the, uh, for the time today, and uh, good luck. Stay well, okay? Oh, thank you for having me. Have a great day. Yeah. And that doesn't even bring into the conversation boomerang kids. You know, the kids that, you know, you think they're out of the house, but here they are again. Hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. Yeah, well, wait a minute. You're 36. Yeah, I know, but I, you don't have a place to live. Oh, man. Uh, coming up in uh, just a few minutes, a lot of the uh, companies in the United States, in fact, a survey just conducted, say, half of the companies in the United States are gearing up for layoffs. And then down the road, TikTok, unbelievably now, companies are turning to TikTok 
to get their message and marketing out to people? Why partner with a company that is controlled by the communist Chinese government? We'll get into that as well. Ken Brew for Scott Sloan News Radio 700 WLW. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On News Radio 700 WLW. Ten thirty six News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back. Ken Brew for Scott Sloan. Great to have you with us. So we have a lot of unfilled jobs in this country. In fact, they say for every unfilled job in this country, uh, actually, they say for there are two people, I should say, for every unfilled job in this country. I think there's over 11 million jobs that are unfilled right now. Two, there's two jobs for every available employee was probably the way I should have said it. But what do I know? I, I, I don't do this for a living. Uh, but anyway, uh, a lot of people are quietly quitting their jobs, knowing that there is a large marketplace out there. Meanwhile, set that against the backdrop of inflation and set that against the backdrop of uh, interest rates. And then you see that maybe the consumer confidence in this economy is not as high as it should be. And that is causing companies to reevaluate exactly what they are doing. And when they start doing that, you know what comes next. Yeah. Surveys just out. PWDC did a survey, polled 700 executives and board members across the U.S., and found 52% of companies have already enacted hiring freezes. Four out of ten have rescinded job offers or cut signing bonuses for new hires. And roughly half have started laying people off or are preparing to cut the headcount. All of this up against quiet quitting, people trying to leave their jobs on their own. What's going on here in the marketplace? Standing by is somebody who watches this and watches it with a keen eye. She is Dr. Jane Gardner. Now, Dr. Gardner is a business strategist specializing in creating efficient, effective teams that work well together and achieve goals instead of wasting time with petty stuff. Dr. Gardner, how are you on this glorious day? I am well, thank you. Exciting times, big turn of events here. There, there are, and, and, and that's why I say it's a little confusing. Uh, there are uh, two jobs for every available candidate, it seems. We have um, quiet quitting going on, employees just basically pulling back and not giving their all on the job, and, you know, eventually maybe just quitting altogether, and... And we have companies, at least half according to this survey, that are company, companies that are con contemplating laying people off. There are so many conflicting messages here. Which one should we listen to? Let's be conservative, quiet quitters. I don't think you have any leverage anymore. I think COVID's over. Yeah, you may can work anywhere, but you got to work. Um, you know, I do think it's, it's you got to wake up, but... 
I'll tell you what's hard about this is it's so sudden. It's hard to even get a grasp on the shift. I mean, this is really a big turn of tide. And I, I sympathize for the quiet quitters. It's going to be hard for them to even grasp that they, they really have to adapt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and listen, they're calling it quiet quitters now in, in my time. They call them slackers. And before that, they called it mailing it in, right? I mean, it's, it depends on where right. you're from. But, but it's, uh, I, I've, I've worked with people that basically show up. They're there for the, they're along for the ride. They put their eight hours in, and they leave. And um, there were others who just put their nose to the grindstone and say, you know what, I'm going to get this done, I'm going to get this done. But I do mm-hmm. sympathize in some way, Doctor, with quiet quitters in this sense not all not all companies value their employees the way they should mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just when you think you're giving it your 150% well what do you know the company is sold or you get a new manager and you got to start it all over again and I, I i suppose it depends on your outlook on these things and what you want to do with your life from a career standpoint but the bottom line is i don't think there's any wrong or right answer for quiet quitters except what it's put against current events and as you say in these current times let's not be quite so quiet and let's not be so quite so quitting correct thank you gotta protect yourself but you know i'm like you i do sympathize with these people because it's not just slackers some a single mom out there with three kids being asked to work 50 hours a week with a company does get the feeling it's not acceptable so i get where they're coming from but I do have a couple of tips for them for right sure. now. Please, please. Yeah, let's let's look right now. You got to be indispensable. Let me give you three things. First, be indispensable to save your job. Be just be careful right now because it may be that there's still two applicants for every job. I think it may be turning though. So first of all, be indispensable to your boss. Second of all. A good question to ask your boss anytime is, what could I do to be a better employee? And you got to play the game right now. So ask that question, listen. And then the third thing you could ask your boss is, what can I do to make your job easier? Now, you may feel like you're, you're giving in here to your point of, I can't work 60 hours a week. But you're starting a discussion about it with your boss. You got to start speaking up. A quiet quitter is a very passive way to deal with a problem. Let's shift into saying what you really mean is I'm overcome right now. I feel like you don't value me. What could we do here that would be a win for both of us? Mm-hmm. And, and, and in essence, in essence, open that dialogue. Well, that does one of two things. <laughs> one, it is establishes yourself as someone who's interested in staying there, mm-hmm. and it also and and I, I hate to say this, I worked my entire career in, in a communications business. Um, most of the managers I ran into were not great communicators. They just, they just <laughs> want, they, they were either overwhelmed with the job they needed to do, or they just were people that weren't a good fit for what their job was. And so if you take the initiative on yourself to open that line of communication, it almost <laughs> forces the issue which I think sometimes you have to do, right? That's right. But, you know, this also brings up the case of what should the employer do? Because this is a two-way street. We can't really, like you said, it's not their fault either. Let's not blame. Let's just look at 
what could an employer do to make their people feel valued? Because right now, that great resignation was a big message saying, I don't feel like I want to do this. I don't feel engaged. I don't feel like you care about me. So I do think there's some stuff the employer, the CEO needs to look at. Well, yeah, and and, and CEOs... And this is this is a broad stroke. It's not necessarily based in anything but anecdotal anecdotal evidence. Uh, CEOs, by and large, are older, and so they came through a system that was different. The people that we're talking about that are the quiet quitters and want to you know have this dialogue, uh, they don't necessarily want the same kind of lifestyle that that CEO want, regardless of what he or she might have achieved financially or in status. They want something that fits their lifestyle. And I, I sense more, uh, more and more, that, and I don't even know what generation we're in right now. I, I think we've run out of alphabet numbers. But whatever generation we're in right now that are, that are the younger workers, they're not so much interested in a career. They're interested in a job. And that job needs to fit their lifestyle. And I think that's what the CEO has got to get or the middle manager has got to get. Look, the game changed, and this is where we are. You either play the game or you get out of the game. And I think, I think that's where we are right now with a lot of this. I agree totally, and, you know, there's a deeper issue here with these millennials and the younger people. I think they want to make a difference. I think they want to be a part of something bigger, and those older guys you're talking about that are leading are still thinking, give them a job, they do it, and that's it. Um, I've got, I've got a, I work with so many CEOs. I've got a beautiful story to tell CEO people right now. Can you tell us? Yeah, yeah. I just I just watched these people, and here's a success story. Yeah. And I heard it from the employee, the millennial kid out there. And they said to me, they said, I took a job in sales. I was totally inexperienced. I did really well for a year. The CEO offered me a big possibility to sell this this company they had been playing with for a while, and it was a big stretch for me to try to close that deal, I failed. And she said, I got a call from the CEO that day that said, I want to have lunch with you tomorrow. She said, I thought I was fired. But in lunch, what the CEO said to her was, listen, I want to own part of this. I, I let you hang out there, and I pushed you into something you weren't ready for. Let's talk about how we can make this be different now. I can do something different, and you can do something different. Let's talk. Yeah. Let me tell you, I still know that person. She's been working for him for four years. She's a loyal, engaged person out of that one thing. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, sometimes that's, that's all it takes. That's all it takes. Uh, Dr. Gardner, though, what of, what of these companies gearing up for layoffs? Do you, uh, We've seen it so a, a lot, a lot more than maybe we wanted to see with the tech industry. Apple just laid off, uh, I think, 100 people last week, and then amazingly they had some sort of security breach the next day. But um, do, do, you, do you sense that the survey is right, that layoffs are coming, and uh, it's all tied to where we are with this economy right now? I think it's inevitable. I do. And and therefore prepare. You know, I think that's my biggest message to everybody, the employer and the employee. Prepare for change. Start getting more involved and getting your employees engaged and hold them accountable. You know, I think that's one thing 
that the uh, younger generations are teaching us is you got to tell me what you got to do and you got to go back the next day and say, did you do it? And the next day and the next, you got to have a manager that follows them and says, this is what I want out of you. And this exactly is how I'm measuring success and accountability, setting up a really transparent uh, culture that says the managers, they know to tell their employees what they should be doing right now openly. Everybody knows. And it's brought to everyone's attention when someone slacks. Let's don't make it a secret. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I, 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 I and again, I, I just, I, I just sense that this, this ratio, um, two jobs for every candidate, I think you alluded to this just a couple of minutes ago. I think that's changing. And I think whatever the next survey comes out about that, we, we will find because of what's going on now with layoffs and what's going on now with the economy, it's probably, that's a, that's a ratio that's going to change. I, I just I just think anybody that's playing off that number is playing off bad information right now. No matter what the future, quiet quitting isn't a good strategy. I agree. You're either here and you're giving 100%, or if you don't like it, go someplace else. <laughs> and I think that's been that's a, a basic precept of any business, and it kind of got mm-hmm. out of whack there for a while. But um, I don't think it's and, – and, and truthfully, doctor, just think of this. I mean, we have a finite number of years on this earth, right? Mm-hmm. Do you really mm-hmm. want to spend any significant time doing anything half-assed? Don't you want to do – don't you want to do something 100% as opposed to it, it, just wasting your time and somebody else's? It is one-third of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. And looking at on down the line – you know, use those days, enjoy them. And if you're not doing something that brings you enthusiasm and energy, if you don't want to get up and go to work every day, you're in the wrong profession or maybe the wrong job responsibility. But talk to somebody about it. Look at other answers instead of just sitting there in a passive role of not doing anything. I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, the, the root of any solution begins with communication. It does. Uh, Dr. Jane, how can people find you? Because, number one, if there's somebody listening to this that runs a company, big, small, or otherwise, I'm sure they would like to hear your expertise. And if there's an employee that's saying, well, wait a minute, she doesn't understand exactly what's going on in my, my life, uh, who, how can people find you? Uh, Thanks for asking. And I have so many articles on my website about this, how to become an engaged employer, uh, employee. And I have one that's 53 ways to be happier at work. So look me up. I'm on drjanegardner.com, D-R-J-A-Y-N-E, gardner.com. Drjanegardner.com. Good stuff. Might have saved a few careers and businesses here in the last few minutes. Thank you so much for your That's time. What, Stay well. We'll talk down yeah. the road. I know we will. I know. That's what we're both about. Good to be here. Thank you. Dr. Jane Gardner. But it is true, according to this, half of these companies are looking to lay people off. And it used to be, you know, first in, uh, last in the door, first out the door. Um, I'm not sure that's true anymore. I think when you're hired, you're hired because you can bring a, uh, a particular expertise or help to whatever problem that company is trying to to solve or whatever that company is trying to market or or project. So I'm not sure 
last in, first out. I don't, I don't think that that's anymore. But it, it is becoming more evident, particularly to middle managers, this, this quiet quitting where you just pull back and instead of giving 100%, maybe you give like 45 50%. And if you work remotely now, because a lot of companies wanted uh, employees to come back. Maybe you. I don't know if, if, if your company wanted you to come back in. They insisted you came you come back into work. And there was great resistance. And then rather than you know telling that employee who really didn't want to come back into the office and wanted to work remotely, rather than telling them, all right, goodbye, get out of here, we're going to get somebody else, what a lot of companies are doing now, and this is a topic for another show, maybe for another day, but they are now... They are now using devices at their disposal, and I'm speaking of managers and employers, to see exactly what you're doing on the job and whether or not you're supposed to be where you're supposed to be for the eight or nine hours that they have you employed. So there's there's always a way around a problem, particularly for those that just don't want to give 100%. And we know, I know, people that I work with, uh, that just simply didn't want to give 100%. They were just there for the ride. And invariably, you had to work around something that they were supposed to do that they weren't doing. Well, game's changing now. So, uh, 1053. 1053. Ken Brew for Scott Sloan. 700 WLW. Hey, kids, listen up. Time for another story from Uncle Willie's Big Book of Great Americans. Today, it's Frank McNamara, the man who gave America credit. McNamara was dining with friends, but when the check arrived, he realized he had no cash. That's when the idea of the credit card hit him. With American zeal, he created the Diner's Club Card, which led to more credit cards and credit cards, allowing Americans to buy better lives way beyond their means. So when you get that monthly bill, thank Robert Kearns, a great American like me. You can be a great American, too. Listen to Bill Cunningham today at 12 noon on 700 WLW. Here's another truth from Life Center. Age or medical condition don't prevent you from registering to become a donor. Going on, too, from an employment standpoint, it's happening already in Europe. Um, and that is, if you insist on working from home, you may be asked to take a pay cut. Uh, about 30% of all paid workers... And work days are being done from home. That's up from just five percent before COVID. But uh, there's a there's a push in uh, in Europe, particularly in in Great Britain, that uh, if you want to work from home, that's great. on News Radio 700 WLW. Welcome back, 700 WLW Radio. Great to have you with us, Ken Brew for Scott Sloan on this glorious Wednesday. So if you are someone who uses social media, you know exactly what each platform does. You know Facebook, you know TikTok, you know uh, Instagram, you know Twitter. TikTok. TikTok is an interesting study. TikTok is a company that's controlled by the communist Chinese government. They can couch it any way they want to do it. They can say that there is an American arm of it, but by and large... It is a communist Chinese government-run uh, project, and it, it, by by law, there anything that's that is detected, seen, observed on social media by somebody who is one of the proletariat in Beijing, they have to report to the Chinese government. It is, it, it is. I mean, it's just that way. But TikTok has grown in popularity. The number of TikTok users has grown vastly in the last year. The Gen Z demographic is seeing it uh, through all of this growth. 
a huge, huge lift in the amount of people using TikTok since 2020. And as of last year, the social network had over a billion, with a B, active monthly users. Instagram still has more influential ad dollars, but uh, it's now beginning to mimic TikTok. Instagram used to be just a picture kind of platform. Hey, look at this picture. There it is, and away it goes in 10 seconds. Now that company is actively encouraging, if not demanding, that all of its growth go in the video direction, not the picture direction. And why? Because that is what TikTok is doing. TikTok is seeing larger and more expansive growth than Instagram, and therefore the dollars will follow TikTok. Instagram wants to mimic TikTok so it doesn't lose out on the advertising landscape. Brands are changing. Marketing brands are changing and how you go about that business is changing but somebody who is at the epicenter of all of it is about to join us right now he's a good guest of this program brian cross he is the founder of the company elasticity a full service marketing agency it handles pr and branding for clients coast to coast and any day we get him on is a good day brian how are you on this glorious wednesday I am doing fantastic. Appreciate you having me back, Ken. Am I wrong about TikTok? I mean, it, I mean, it's got a, uh, it's got an American, I suppose, branch. But by and large, this is a, this is a company that is under the purview of the communist Chinese government. Am I right on that? So they're they're, they're part of Tencent, I believe, and, and and Tencent owns a lot of different things. You know, there's a lot of people that play video games. They would recognize the the name League of Legends. It's got hundreds of millions of users, and you know they they produce movies and they they're they're, they're giant, um, bigger than I, Amazon, I believe. So they they've got their tentacles in a lot of stuff. And yes, they're, they're they are, they have those connections in China that that they cause concern. Um, I was I was just discussing this yesterday, and and it was funny. It was a point that I hadn't made before, but I it, it, it kind of struck me. I was like, I'm going to use this with Ken. Um. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No details. It was it, it it was it was that I'm not as concerned about something as big as TikTok and, and Tencent. I mean, yes, they're connected, but they're so highly scrutinized and so highly regulated and there's so much attention being put on that and 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 the ones that worry me in, in the ways that uh um that you mentioned are those silly little apps that'll be be really popular for a couple of weeks it'll be like hey want to know what you look like when you're old send us a photo of yourself and we'll show you what you look like old and it's done by some obscure you've never heard of the developer in china and it's like those are the things that are capturing all of your facial recognition and all the biometrics that they need so uh, it's 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 
it's not that I say, oh, we don't have anything to worry about China. It's to say my worry is placed in all those silly little apps that nobody's paying attention to and, and, right. and not so much the, the big giant, you know, elephant in the room. Right, exactly. Exactly. Every time, regardless of whether it's uh, an app that's uh, directly uh, related to the uh, Chinese government, but every time you go on an app, and it's a it's as you say one of these obscure apps it's not the ESPN app or the CNN app or the Fox app although they have the ability to do all of this as well but every time you go on one of those apps you are giving information about yourself to someone you have absolutely no idea who it is all in the name of making as you say a goofball shot of yourself what do i look what am i going to look like when i'm old well all i got to do is look in the mirror or doing a dance <laughs> or something like that all, you, yeah. you, all of that stuff is going to some dark company. I don't want to use dark web, but dark company that you have absolutely no idea what's being used with that. And you raise a great point about facial recognition, which is the next big thing here, I think, that uh, we've already seen with iPhones. And I think we're going to see with a lot of other things as we navigate through the future and technology I, I i worry about stuff like that i i really do i i don't know why people uh don't understand that more why they still shop for items at a public wi-fi like at a starbucks i don't get why people do that do you i think that people are kind of either either lulled into thinking they're secure uh or or just frankly don't know um you know, and time, you know, marches on and, and you get comfortable with different things. So at first, people weren't comfortable giving out any information. And now it's like, you want my phone number? You want my email? You're going to give me something free for it? Wh whatever. I can always change a number, an email address. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. You know, um, our banks and everybody is, you know, we've, we've been, you know, told about phishing scams and don't give out Social Security and bank accounts and things like that. And so you go, okay. And, and we learned that. But. Nobody has said anything about biometrics. Nobody has said anything about, hey, you know, photos of yourself can be, you know, traced back to all of your information. And, and you know, all of, you know, I mean, you think about your, your, your phones, Androids and iPhones, right? I, I can unlock my phone with my face, you know? So uh, I think it's, I think it's just a, a, they're not educated enough to understand that now that everyone's moved to biometrics, well, guess what? All the hackers now are going, okay, great. Well, yeah. now, now we don't need to steal your email and uh, address and your password anymore. Now all we need to do is steal your facial you know, identity yeah. so we can go around town unlocking different things. Well, I'm, I'm reading this story, Brian, about TikTok and, and how um, Instagram is trying to mimic TikTok so it doesn't get left at the post. Facebook has been around forever. It's widely regarded as a, a social platform for people who are of an advanced age, maybe over 40, over 50 or whatever. Uh, it, Twitter is starting to make its way that in that direction. Then there's Instagram, and now we've got TikTok. Is TikTok, in your opinion, the place where marketers are going to go? Not marketers, maybe, but uh, businesses are going to go to market their brand more so than if they go now to, to a timeline on Twitter or to a Facebook ad or whatever it may be. How soon before a company of great magnitude will look and say, you know what, Gen Z is there, whatever the next alphabet, Gen, whatever it may be, they're, they're going to be right behind them. When does TikTok take over as one of the big marketing platforms for major companies, in your opinion? 
So I, I've, I've, I have a funny answer to that. What, what, what I would say is it's, it's already here. Um, you know, I was reading a stat that, that over 80% of all traffic uh, to social media is TikTok and Instagram. Mm. 80%. Uh, that means everything else, Twitter, Facebook, the other ones that you mentioned, and all the little obscure ones are a mere 20%. Now, that said, so so my, my when I said I have a silly answer to that, what I was going to say is it depends on how good your marketing team internally is and how good your agency that you're working with is. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason why I make a snarky remark like that is to say, sure, TikTok is the hot thing. It has the majority of the traffic, so somebody who is – not very nuanced in their strategy can come in and say, everyone's on TikTok. Let's go to TikTok. Um, and so, yes, a lot of advertising dollars, a lot of marketing dollars, sponsorship dollars are going towards TikTok right now. But the more sophisticated marketers, the, you know, be it the internal marketing team and or their, their partner agency are saying, hey, guess what? Social media is a little bit different nowadays. You know, let's, 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 let's go back to the TV just, just for fun. You know, it used to be three channels, ABC, CBS, NBC. That's yeah. all there was to it. And marketers went and they advertised on all three. And by advertising on all three, you captured everybody. Yeah. And then cable TV came around and now it's 300 channels. And now it's like, well, wait a second. Our, our markets have, have diverged. It's much harder to get everybody. Uh, but then marketers got smart and they said, well, wait a second. Maybe we don't need everybody, you know, we, you know, um, you know, I was joking that the, the new hot thing that seems to be being marketed to me constantly right now is the Metamucil two week challenge. I'm going, you know what? <laughs> I, I, I don't think my, uh, I don't think 20 year olds are getting the Metamucil yeah. challenge highlighted <laughs> in their social media, right? yeah. but, yeah. but, but that's targeting, right? Um, and so where we can lament that it was harder to reach everybody in cable, what we then knew is, okay, well, if I want to, advertise something automotive, well, there's four channels that dedicate themselves to automotive. I'm probably going to get my niche market by, yeah. by going there. So yeah. I think that's what's happening in social media, right? It, it's, it's not everybody's on Facebook anymore. Now it's, hey, I have a product that I need to market to people over 40. Okay, great. I'm probably going to market on Facebook. Hey, I want to go get you know, young men between 15 and 25 who are cord cutters. Okay, well, then maybe I will go into TikTok. So I think yeah. The smarter you are, the more you recognize who your market is for your product, you'll start to find that they'll advertise in the different various social media channels. Yeah. Brian Cross, marketing expert, is our guest. He is uh, with the company Elasticity. You said something, uh, you know, uh, when you said it, I'm not sure if, it, if, if everybody caught this. 80% of social media users use TikTok and Instagram. Is that what you said? They're all the traffic. So, traffic so if you, on a given day, let's say three billion people visit a social media channel. Yeah. Well, what we're finding is that you know two point seven billion of that went to those two two social media platforms. Yeah. Well, what does that say about who's fighting over the other twenty percent, which would be Facebook and Twitter by and large, and Elon Musk, who committed I don't know how many billions of dollars. Last I checked, it was somewhere in the low forties, and he's fighting to get that even lower. Uh, because he's not sure exactly who or what uh, is in the amount of people that are or bots that are that are using Twitter. What does that say about if 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 TikTok was a company on the open market and it's not? What do you what do you figure that would fetch on the open market if if Twitter is is right now somewhere around forty three forty four billion, which is is what Musk offered uh, uh, on this thing? What what do you figure TikTok would be worth? 
No, goodness. I was going to say, if you want to make a simple sort of, you know, well, if, if this, then that argument, I mean, my gosh, you, you could say it's worth 10, 10x. So it's oh worth gosh. 400 yeah. billion. Yeah. But I think when you start getting that money, like smart money managers come in and go, what's, what, what yeah. really is the return here? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I can allow you to, to borrow 400 billion. For yeah. that, so. Well, you know, to TikTok, it wasn't that long ago. It was maybe like uh, a year ago. The White House was trying to get out some one of its plans and trying to reach out and they brought in TikTok influencers in so there is a there is a belief at least politically there is and i would think from a business standpoint there has to be a belief that there is something to be uh, said for TikTok and its ability to target market if you are willing to make a deal with the devil and that devil would be the communist chinese government may have a hand in what you do uh, certainly in what you say, but I, I do think we're going to see more of that where if you're on TikTok now and you're just doing a dance or, you know, your cat is like jumping up and down and you think it's funny, I think you are more and more going to start see, seeing more and more advertising on TikTok. Would that be fair? Oh, uh, absolutely. The, you know, that's, that's all of these platforms are ad supported. Um, that's the only way that they make money. Um, you know, they, you know, and I mean, the, basically the cottage industry is this. You go, you get enough followers, um, and if you get enough followers that come on a regular basis, the platform will pay you. So these influencers, yes, they get money from sponsorship, but they're also getting money from the platforms themselves. So the game for the influencer is get as many followers as possible. Always, always, always keep getting followers. The, 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 the platform is giving them money to do that because they know that as, uh, if they can keep all of their followers on a platform, then great, they're fair. And then once they've got that big stat of this is how many concurrent users, this is how many monthly users, this is how many whatever, they can then go and demand um, more and more money from the advertisers and sponsors. So that's, oh, that's, that's, I mean, and, and sure, the, you can go down the path of, you know, do they sell the data on the back end for more money? Yes, there are other revenue models, but the major, major model that drives these things is ad dollars. So they, that's, they're going to, I mean, we get, we get pitched all the time, you know, yeah. here's the new platform. Here's the new TikTok thing. This is the new technology. Here's new ways that you can target people. Here's ways that you can make sure that you're getting ROI on, on, on the dollars that you spend on TikTok. So yeah, no, the, you'll see more and more and more. And then as you do, you'll see more and more people leave the platform and go to the next new thing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. And who knows what the next new thing is, but it's, uh, it's there. Brian Cross, his book, by the way, which is a fun read. And uh, if you're if you're doing a you know a gig uh, gig economy, if you're even if you're running a small business, big business, you ought to uh, you ought to get it. It's called uh, F Your Formula. I'll let you figure out what the other couple of letters are there. F Your Formula and why all the rules in the world are probably not the best things to adhere to. Why following rules is the worst marketing decision you'll ever make. Brian, good stuff. Stay well. We need, we need to hear your voice now. We'll visit down the road. Thanks. Appreciate you having me again. Thanks, Ken. He knows marketing inside out. I'm not a, t I mean, you know, I mean, I'll do Twitter. I don't do Facebook anymore. Facebook to me just got to be burdensome and it was too many people yelling and screaming about too many stupid things, which is what Twitter has become. You know, everybody, you know, everybody is, everybody's got an opinion, and that's great. It doesn't mean I need to read everybody's opinion. You know, I, it just, it, Facebook got to be too much. Twitter's getting there. And TikTok, I mean, I just, I just have a problem. I, I'll be, I'm up front. I got a problem. It, it's got a, it's got a direct line to Beijing, and I'm not all that anxious about 
President Xi getting all of my information. Not that he's worried about what Ken Brew's doing in Cincinnati, but, I mean, the ability is there. But if you think about it, every time you go on the Internet, every time you go on an app, every time you order something from Amazon, they're collecting very, you know, they're just gathering information on you. The question is, who is they? You know, who is it really? It's not Jeff Bezos. Who is they? Who, who, who are the people that are gathering this stuff? Well, that didn't sound like X-Files, did it? 1124 News Radio 700 WLW. Perched high atop his broadcast lair, Mike McConnell uses his super morning powers to give you a super morning. That's what I'm here to do. Plus, his super sidekicks keep you informed. Chuck Ingram with traffic, Jennifer Ketchmark with weather, and Sid Dennison with sports. Mike McConnell, armed with mighty superhero voice. Mike McConnell. Makes mornings super. You bet it is. Tomorrow morning at 5 on 700 WLW. Men, if you're struggling with your... 7 News Radio 700 WLW, Ken Brew for Scott Sloan on this Wednesday. Glad you are with us. I don't say that capriciously because without you, I would just be one man sitting in a room babbling to himself. And why would I have to leave home to do that? You know, we talk a lot about quiet quitting and uh, people pulling back on the job, not giving 100%. Heard just a last, in the last hour or so that uh, nearly half of the companies in this country are talking about uh, layoffs that are coming up and quite soon, particularly in the tech industry, but it looks like it will cut across all paths and all lines of work. And so where are we when it comes to this country and employment? Because we hear how great it is. You know, if you listen just to the uh, administration, they'll tell you everything's great. Uh, they told us last week there was no inflation, and yet we got the Inflation Reduction Act passed, and now apparently all of the money we're allegedly saving with that is going out the window because today, in his latest spending spree, the president is going to commit $300 billion at least to relieving student loan debt, debt basically a handout. Of course, it doesn't cater to the people that uh, need it the most, it kind of leaves a lot of minorities in the group. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, in the in the dust, and uh, we'll see whether or not he can get this done. But the fact of the matter is that economically, this country has so many conflicting signals that I'm not sure where we are between what inflation is saying, what companies are doing, what is being spent by the federal government. Maybe someone who does is my next guest. She is a business consultant. She has consulted many, many, many big-time companies. And uh, her whole thing is not only running efficiently, but also having and building relationships between worker and employer. And not having workers that pull back and don't give 100% because they don't like the atmosphere. Change the atmosphere. We all hear, you know, you walk into a company, well, this is our culture. 
Yeah, well, okay, well, who came up with that, and why is your culture so important, and have you stopped to think that maybe your culture really isn't doing what it's supposed to do? That's where Dr. Cindy Waller comes in, and she's standing by to join us right now, and it's great to have her. Dr. Waller, how are you on this glorious Wednesday? I'm terrific. Thank you for asking, and thank you for having me, Ken. Well, I'm, I'm happy you're here to discuss this. Um, you know, years ago, um, if you were in a job and you didn't like a job, you just did enough, and uh, if it was enough to get you the nine or eight hours in, then you went home and you did it all again the next day. I work eight hours, you give me eight hours worth of pay or whatever it is. Uh, but apparently now that that basic strategy is out the window. You're not engaged now if you do this. And you're not really buying into the plan if you do this. And I, I, I guess it's a phenomenon with the younger generations, right? Generation Y, Generation Z. Is this what this is? Is this where it most is prevalent? It is prevalent. And what's happened is, is there's now a reaction and a response to our current employee population that's saying previous generations who've worked 12, 14 hours a day and have been regarded historically as being highly dedicated, invested, um, working in an aspirational way has affected their well-being. And so there's a term that's been coined called quiet quitting, where employees now have stepped back and are evaluating whether this is worthwhile and whether it is a healthy thing to do. Well, let me let me just say this from a guy that used to work 12 to 14 hours a day in a volatile business that has a lot of turnover at all levels, management and otherwise. Uh, I did that for a lot of years, like 46 years in, in the television end of my business. And invariably, it was not recognized. It was It was after a while just assumed I was going to do that. And when you put on top of that management turnover and all of a sudden you're doing it again for somebody that has no idea what your work ethic is or why you're doing it, you reach a point where you just say to yourself, why am I doing this? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just eating years off my life doing this. So I cannot, I can totally understand it from the employee standpoint. Cannot, cannot you? Fantastic. Fantastic point. Exactly. So what employees are saying is exactly what you said, Ken. Is this worthwhile? Am I getting rewarded? Who notices? Is this expected? Is this being taken for granted? Because I thought I'd work so hard so I can either get an uh, increase in comp, a more senior title. And we do know that oftentimes, as you say, there's a change in management and therefore we're not recognized. Or it's just assumed that that's how we should work. Or there are political reasons why we may not get ahead. So why do that and therefore compromise your personal family life? And so what employees are doing, this term is interesting to me, quiet quitting. I'm actually not sure that's the right term. I would refer to it as emotional balancing. So employees are not quitting. It suggests that, in fact, they're just sort of going in and really being disengaged. They are working hard. They're just not working as long. They're not, work, they're not approaching work as the be-all and end-all. They have other priorities. I want to be valued for other aspects of their life you know doctor i'm back there working 12 hours a day 13 hours a day and i'm working for this guy and uh <laughs> on my performance review he said that when everything got intense i wasn't jumping up and down and flapping my arms that was what he told me jumping up and down and flapping my arms and getting everybody excited about this breaking news story and i said to the guy just because I'm not you know, going through all of those theatrics doesn't mean that I'm not concentrated in trying to do this. I said, as a matter of fact, 
I might be doing it my job better because I'm more concentrated on that than making everybody entertaining everybody else with my feigned enthusiasm. He couldn't understand that, and he didn't think I was I was dedicated or putting my entire effort into what I was doing. And I I, I, that, I think that's when I said to myself, "Okay, buddy," I said, "I'm going to do just enough to get you what you need and nothing more." And I think the root of this might be again. I go back to the employer. I think it might be culture. And it might be who's in these middle management positions that don't understand worker motivation. Again, am I wrong? Do you no, you're 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 again right. I mean, this is precisely it. And what then is happening is that employers are having attrition problems and retention risks because, to your point, then employees become disengaged, demotivated with that kind of feedback, and then you say it's not worth it because, as you suggested, I have other ways of demonstrating my engagement. I have other ways of motivating. It doesn't have to be that I'm flapping my arms around. Um, and so it, it does cause you and others to disengage. And um, what employers need to realize is that there is a huge movement among the employee population in every single industry sector to get management and executives to pay attention to this. And if they don't, then employees will be moving on and finding other cultures, as you say, that balance both work and personal life. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, in my deep uh, dive investigating for this uh, for this interview today, I, I saw a, 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 a study you did or a, a, a report you did for the Morgan Phillips Group, and you had three top three career tips. And one is it's willing to take risks. Now, there's a way to be involved without being overly, you know, someone you're not, just behaving differently on the job and trying to avoid being someone who's just, you know, a zombie at work. Willing to take risks. Uh, I always viewed that as good, and I always viewed risks as challenges. So that's step number one, maybe to keep you, the employee, involved and not falling into this career burnout. I think that's a wonderful thing to do. Risks are not always big risks, are they? Exactly. You can be innovative. You can offer ways to increase uh, efficiencies, reduce costs have uh, ways of being creative without uh, compromising uh, the work you're doing or the business that you're running or engaged in. Absolutely. So I agree with you. And that's really where the conversation has to happen between the employee and the manager, because we all have different things that we value. Maybe I want to improve my ability to public speak. Maybe I do want to uh, be involved in another aspect of the business. And I need to understand from the employer that they're going to support me with what I want to get out of my role. And listening back and forth, because you can learn so much from an employee by not necessarily what they say, but their body language and, and, and how they say something. I think listening, which is a huge part of communication, I think listening is a lost art anymore in all walks of life, but certainly business. Just taking the extra 30 seconds to understand what the issue is will go probably a long way in helping you solve the issue. Precisely. My clients ask me, how many leadership styles do I need to have? And I say, as many as employees that you're leading. And so when you talk about listening, what is it that employees want? How do they feel? What do they need? Rather than the manager just applying or projecting their own value set or their own template around what's important. If you listen, then you feel cared about and then you could model and coach and develop 
employees in that vein. Yeah, I should go on. The other the, the other career tips, one is willingness to take risks, two is collaboration and partnering, which, again, is teamwork, and three is communicating and listening, all in this this paper that Dr. Waller did. We're talking with Dr. Cindy Waller. She is a workplace expert in solving problems and working with a lot of big companies. Um, this seems to be, this quiet quitting, as we talked about, seems to be a phenomena of the younger generation. And I, I know we could do a deep dive psychologically into this, and you would know infinitely more than that because you are uh, a doctor of psychology. But it seems to me maybe the Gen Z group took a look at what their parents, and God knows what generation they would be, what they were doing, and there wasn't a whole lot of dad or mom time at home, and they're saying to themselves, look, I don't want to live a life like that. I want to have some sort of work-life balance. And at the root of all of this, I think, is this. People just don't want to be married to a job. They want to have a life, too, outside it. And so this should not be surprising. They want to have a life? You're right. And they grew up sometimes with absentee parents, and parents rationalized it as providing a life, a lifestyle means resources for their children. And their now adult children say, was this worth it? Was this worth it um, for them, for my own childhood and growing up, how I was raised? And certainly now, as I have my own life and my own family, to your point, this is not something that is um, important to them because they want other aspects and they want their, their health is primary. And so we preserve our health, of course, by being invested in other things. And it's interesting, this movement, by the way, started actually in China. So it used to be that China had a work rule called 996, which meant workers were working from 9 a.m. to 9 Mm p.m., so 12 hours a day, six days a week. And in 2021, it became illegal for employees, employers to impose that. And they didn't call it quite quitting. They called it lying flat. Hmm. And so the movement started in Asia and then moved across the globe. And, of course, it was exacerbated by COVID, but it really started prior to COVID. Yeah, COVID, which started in China and moved across the globe. Um, You know, doctor, the 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 uh, the issue, I think, or the or the answer is, is when does this end? I mean, you know, when my dad worked, it was called, oh, that guy's along for the ride. And maybe in my generation, it was, uh, you know, mailing it in. Now it's quite quitting. You know, do you see an end to this? Are, are employers hip to what's going on here? Or is this something that you see as a problem that could be continuing now that we have so many more jobs than we have available workers? Well, exactly. So the power is now in the hands of employees. They have the leverage. And so right now, I think they have the platform. I think like any change in any movement, there will be a balance and there will be a point where it'll settle and hopefully there'll be reciprocity and a mutual understanding between organizations, employers, and their employees. And they'll, they'll have individual arrangements that work for each employee and with each manager based on what you're saying, talking, listening, and understanding. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Waller, always good stuff. How do we find you? I mean, I know people are probably listening to this or saying, hey, there's somebody that might be able to help me. How can people find Dr. Cindy Waller? So quite easily, if you just Google CindyWaller.com, C-I-N-D-Y-W-A-H-L-E-R, you'll find me. Hey, that's pretty easy. I bet you nobody had that uh, that website when you went looking for it, right? There you go. <laughs> Doctor, <laughs> good stuff. Stay well. We'll visit down the road. Thanks. Sounds great. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Kind of like KenBrew.com.
but you know, I, I, get, I go back to what I've said about this for a very long time. Quiet quitting. If you don't want to be somewhere, leave. And leave now because I think the tide is turning on available jobs. I really do. I think we're, we're in a recession, and I think you're going to see layoffs. And But if you don't like, what are you wasting your time for and making other people do more work? It just it's, it's silly when you just think about it. It's 1151. Ken Brew for Scott Sloan. News Radio 700 WLW. Hey, kids, listen up. Time for another story from Uncle Willie's Big Book of Great Americans. Today, Warren Buffett, an American success story. At age 11, he bought three shares of stock and dedicated himself to learning business. With all-American hard work, he acquired a small textile company called Berkshire Hathaway, which produces everything from batteries to ice cream to panties. Today, Buffett is worth over $100 billion, which will all go to charity when he dies. That's why Warren Buffett, like me, is a great American. You can be a great American, too. Listen to Bill Cunningham today at 12 noon on 700 WLW. Keep listening for the next chance to win your way to our iHeartRadio Music Festival, September 23rd. Now we're playing some music here. So right on Disco Sound, 700 WLW. Ken for Scott Sloan. Willie's in after the news at the top of the hour. All hell breaks loose. Thereabouts and right till 3 o'clock. Uh, as for moi, I am back in on Saturday at high noon and Sunday with Sunday morning sports talk. And when I come back in on uh, Sunday, Sunday morning sports talk, we will be two weeks out from the start of the Cincinnati Bengals season. I do not remember in my time here in this town, and that goes back, as you well know, a long, long time. I cannot remember a season that is more eagerly anticipated than this one for your Cincinnati Bengals. So we'll have plenty to dive into and uh, talk about, both uh, with regards to where we are as a country, a nation in the world, and also where we are as a sports world. And we'll do it together right here on 700 WLW. Mark your calendar for August 27th. It's the end of summer blowout at MVG, and we're giving out 60000 in free... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.